0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Flag to Flag on Fox Sports 640. I'm Jeremy Kaufman, and we're talking a little NASCAR tonight for the next hour and a lot of drama from over the weekend. Some more surprise winners. 2021 has really shaken up the playoff field in just the first couple of weeks. Plus, Noah Gragson had some major drama with Carl Long's driver, David Starr, over the weekend after a heartbreaking finish at Homestead on Saturday for the Xfinity Series, and you're going to see almost. Almost a dozen Camping World trucks on Friday night during the truck race. Why are there so many of them? The reason is actually pretty cool. But of course, we start with William Byron, who got a huge victory. And this is a big deal because it's not his first career win But it's his first win, not on a super speedway. And it is his first win in dominating fashion. And we talk about these wins on super speedways. And yes, you've won a race. It's a big deal. But when you're pack racing, it's a different game. It's the great equalizer. And not to discredit a win at Daytona or Talladega, but anybody in the field can get to victory lane. When you race there, when you head to a mile and a half, That's not the case, and William Byron... He ran consistent all day long, fourth in stage one, victory in stage two, led 102 of 267 laps, really took on as the race moved into the later stages when the sunset the track really came to him. And he put on a great performance holding off Tyler Reddick, another guy with a great run, by just under three seconds. And this win is big for William Byron. Not only is he in the playoffs, but this showed everybody in the field that he is there to play and he is going to be a contender week in, week out. He's already got one of the best teams behind him with Hendrick Motorsports. Now, for the last few years, Hendrick has been on a bit of a downturn. Yes, they won the championship last year, but they were not the dominating team throughout the year. Stuart Haas, Joe Gibbs Racing, those have been the teams, but it seems to me like Hendrick Motorsports is starting to find that groove again and they've got strong drivers who are starting to get the experience down. Let's look at Chase Elliott. He won the championship. That's easy right there. He is winning on a consistent basis, but for a little while, he's been the only one. Alex Bowman, he got a win last year before the pandemic break. He's in a new car with the 48, a lot of pressure driving Jimmy Johnson's old number. But I do think that Alex Bowman can become a consistent winner. And you look at William Byron, he just put it all together today. He's been decent on some of these other runs earlier in the year. I think that William Byron is going to win multiple races in 2021, Chase Elliott, I think he's a shoe in for multiple wins. And you look at Kyle Larson, he's running fantastic, too. I'm going to touch on a little bit of what Kyle Larson's been doing to start the year coming up. But first, I want to talk about what Hendrick Motorsports as a whole is so close to doing. A huge number that they are about to hit. This was their 264th career victory as a team. And an unbelievable number, but... That puts them just four wins away from the all-time record that Petty Enterprises have. I think Hendrick Motorsports is in position to take that record this season. They only need five more wins to pass them. We're three races in. They've already got a victory this year. They've had close calls to winning races. I mean, Chase Elliott at the Daytona Road Course, really, things just didn't play in his favor. But that could have easily been a win right there. So I I think Hendrick Motorsports really firing on all cylinders as we kick off 2021. They are going to be the team to watch, at least based on their early stats to start out this year. Another thing to look at, too, with William Byron is his crew chief, Rudy Fugel. Now, he stepped into some major shoes when you think about it. He took over for Chad Knauss, seven-time champion with Jimmy Johnson, who was on the box with William Byron, got that first career win last year in the Coke Zero Sugar 400 regular season finale at Daytona. But bringing Rudy Fugel in was an interesting call. He has experience as a winning crew chief with, um... William Byron, back when he drove in the Truck Series for Kyle Busch Motorsports, that's where Rudy comes from. They won seven races in his rookie campaign, including Homestead-Miami Speedway in the truck race, and really would have won the championship if they didn't blow an engine at Phoenix. So these two have a history. Rudy Fugel, three starts at the Cup level with Hendrick Motorsports. He's already a Cup Series winner. It reminds me of when Jeff and Alan first got together. Jeff Gordon, Alan Gustafson, they got off to a great start. I'm not going to act like they were the greatest combination in NASCAR, but they had a successful run. I think William Byron is going to be a guy to keep an eye out for this year, especially with that new crew chief. They've gelled in the past. They're clearly gelling right now, and they got a huge win, which did stop the streak of new winners to start the season. That ends it too, because, you know, William Byron, he had a one win. So really still a lot of surprise winners to start this year. Look at our playoff grid already. You win, you're in. That's how the NASCAR playoffs work. Top 16 winners in points. Now, we've never had more than 16 winners in 26 races. So that's why the win you're in mantra has still been good. But we've got Michael McDowell, who won the Daytona 500 for Front Row Motorsports, who is going to be in the playoffs um, as long as we don't see more than 16 winners. And then we've got last week, Christopher Bell gets his first career win. He locks himself into the playoffs. And now William Byron, you would have told me those were going to be the first three winners of the season. I would have told you you were crazy. There was no way that's going to happen. Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch. These guys are going to be the guys that are competing for wins. Not the case to start the year. What a fantastic performance from those three. And taking a look at the top ten now, finishing order from this race that we just saw the Dixie Vodka 400 in our own backyard, Homestead-Miami Speedway on Sunday. Tyler Reddick, second-place finish. He's won championships at Homestead in the Xfinity Series. The big three in the 2019 Xfinity Championship all moved on to the Cup Series. Cole Custer, he's got to win. Christopher Bell, he's got to win. Now it's Tyler Reddick. Tyler's the last one to get that victory, and he is performing well to start the season. He did not disappoint at Homestead. While he didn't have the greatest start to the race, If it was maybe 10 laps longer, I think there's a good chance we're talking about three first-time winners in a row. Tyler Reddick was on a tear at the end of that race, running right up against the wall, rim riding with not an inch to spare in the last 13 laps. He gained six seconds On William Byron, that's incredible to gain that amount of time, even with fuel saving that was going on. I think that Noah was very happy we were running a 400 mile race and not a 500 mile race. And we didn't see a late race caution because that would have thrown everything haywire. Tyler Reddick. Fantastic job running up there, getting that second-place finish. Byron Reddick, that's your top two. And he also finished second in the NASCAR Xfinity race, Tyler Reddick, although they ended up having a disqualification because of a heights issue. He gets credited with a 40th-place finish. But as far as on-track performance, Tyler Reddick has two fantastic runs this weekend. Martin Truex Jr., he came home in third place. He is Probably been one of the most consistent guys you'd expect to be up front to start the season. And then we get to fourth place. Back to these Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolets and Kyle Larson. This is a guy who has more adversity he's facing and really it's his fault. We know it's his fault. He said something stupid when he used a racial slur last year driving for uh, Chip Ganassi at the time who he'd been driving for a couple of years. He said a inappropriate comment on a iRacing broadcast when the pandemic had just started, and... He, he lost his ride. He lost everything. He was having to go race week in, week out while he loves the dirt racing. He had to be out there on that track making money to keep himself afloat. He has very little sponsor support, which in NASCAR is huge. Rick Hendrick is funding a lot of these races out of his own pocket. Nation's Guard that's been on the car, that's a Hendrick Motorsports company for the first three races. HendrickCars.com, obviously more Hendrick stuff. That's coming up on his car this weekend, and we'll see that a lot throughout the year. But Kyle Larson is bringing the results, and honestly, He might be carrying the Hendrick Banner if not for some just unfortunate luck and maybe pushing it a little too hard trying to prove something. Daytona 500, he's in the top five on the last lap, gets caught in that big wreck, crashes out, doesn't get the finish there. He had the freshest tires running through the field late at the Daytona road course before he blew through the corner coming back up onto the turn one entrance of the oval and doored the tire barrier, took himself out of the race, just pushed it a little too hard. He finally put a race together. Had a fantastic run, top five finish for Kyle Larson, and very well could have been three top fives to start the year if things had played out just a little bit differently. Kyle Larson, he is a guy to keep your eye on, especially as he gets more comfortable with this Hendrick Motorsports team. He's going to have a good starting spot at Las Vegas because he had a good finish, and that's the way we're deciding qualifying. Kyle Larson, very impressive to start the season. He's just got to get the finishes and he did that at, uh, at Homestead Miami Speedway. We'll see if he can continue that trend coming up this weekend. But I think Kyle Larson is going to be in for a very good season. Absolutely a shoe in for the playoffs and potentially a championship contender. Now we get to the underdog. The man who came home in this race in sixth place. Now, in fifth place was Kevin Harvick. No underdog there. He's one of only two drivers to finish both or all three races in the top 10. Nobody's shocked. Kevin Harvick, he's the best of the best right now. He's one of the top drivers out there. The guy is knocking on the door of, uh, man, I think 60 wins now. I think he's at 58 career wins. So Kevin Harvick finishing good, no surprise. The other guy who's finished all three races in the top 10, one of only two, Michael McDowell, the Daytona 500 champion. Daytona's the place, we we just I just mentioned it, but it's the place where anybody can win. It's great when you get an upset victory. It's the biggest race of the year. It really is going to boost this team that needs the funding throughout the rest of the season. The road course, again, Michael McDowell doesn't surprise me by running well. He gets a top 10 finish there. He's a road ringer. He was brought in on a lot of times to run as a road ringer. He's had consistent runs. And again, road racing, it's a little bit of an equalizer sometimes. We've seen that before. Michael McDowell puts on an impressive performance. Nothing shocks me by that. This weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway was the test. We're back at this 550-horsepower package, high downforce. We're on the oval, the mile and a half, and this is where we typically see the differences in funding show up. Michael McDowell almost walks out of there with a top-five finish. This is incredible for front-row motorsports they are in very good position in the overall point standings. He's sitting fourth in points, 33 out, and he is leading the playoff grid right now. Out of everybody who's got to win, nobody's higher up in points than Michael McDowell. This is the surprise, the feel good story of the start to the season to see this 34 car run so well for everybody at Front Row Motorsports. The boost that they're getting. And to see them run well, this is going to be good for Anthony Alfredo, who took over the seat of the 38 car. The teammate to Michael McDowell took that spot from Jonathan Imanchek, who dropped back to the truck series. And really, I wasn't so sure about Anthony taking this ride because front row is not as well funded as staying in the Xfinity series and driving for a big organization like Richard Childress Racing, even on a part time basis. But he made the move to go cup racing, and when you see Michael McDowell run this well, it really just makes you think. Okay, once Anthony gets a hang of this fast pasta, as he's called on Twitch, he'll probably be pretty good. Here's what uh, Michael McDowell's gonna have to though beat this weekend. We head to the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, another mile and a half, although uh, considerably different from Homestead Miami Speedway. His average finish in 14 races, so it's not like he hasn't made that many sp- starts in Vegas. That is really bad for anybody. In fact, he's only finished half of the races he's entered. A 50% did not finish rate for Michael McDowell at Vegas. This is a big test because when performance turns around, we tend to see guys just blow out their bad tracks and do much better. Kyle Busch was terrible at Kansas. He got the hang of it. Their performance was always good. He eventually became good there. Can Michael McDowell improve at Vegas this weekend? He might be a good pick for your fantasy teams because I'm sure he's got a lower premium on his price, but those stats got me a little worried. I'm keeping a close eye on Michael McDowell. If he has a good run or at least has a good run going this weekend, I think the 34 car is here to play in 2021 and we need to keep an eye on them at least to see if they can keep this momentum going throughout the Fox portion of the season and as we move into the summer another run that was fantastic over the weekend really got to give credit to Chris Busher. and it, it sounds weird when I say this because he ended up in 19th and I really don't know what happened to Chris Busher. but what a performance he had when the sun was up they lost the handle on the track or something when it went from day to night, but Chris Busher started impressively. In fact, he led a career-best 57 laps, won the first stage, finished sixth in the second stage, and what this really shows for me, it, it's not as much for Chris Busher that I'm blown away by, it's the whole team. Roush Fenway Racing. This is an organization that had five cars in the Cup Series at one point, and not even just their overall dominance in the sport at the time and being a consistent contender up there with Hendrick Motorsports back when, you know, 2007, 2005, around that time, but Roush Fenway Racing was dominant at Homestead Miami Speedway. Greg Biffle, I, I think he won maybe three in a row there. Carl Edwards has a couple of wins there. Uh, you know, it it was very impressive when you went to Homestead Miami Speedway, you knew you were going to be battling the Roush Fenway cars and now they've really fallen off. Only two cars left. Ryan Newman, who ended up having a top 10 finish, came home in seventh. And Chris Busher, who legitimately looked like he had a car that could win that race, they didn't get the finish they wanted. But I am keeping a much closer eye this weekend on Roush Fenway Racing because I think that they really are the team to watch. Um, on these mile-and-a-halves. After the Homestead performance, can they continue to run well? We're not—I don't think we're going to see the day-to-night tra- uh, tonight transition That we saw this weekend, and it's because we're racing on the West Coast. The green flag is at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, so we're looking at, um, you know, a race that's going to be starting before 1 p.m. on the West Coast, so not as much track changes potentially this weekend. Let's see how the mile-and-a-half program does for Roush Fenway Racing here at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and then, of course, getting to a very important week after that at Phoenix, which is going to be the racetrack that decides the championship, so you always want to run good when we come out there early in the season. It's sort of your test session in that moment. Well, coming up in a couple of minutes on the show, we're going to flip the coin, take a look at the other side. Who is struggling to start the year? A couple of cup drivers that really need to turn things around. I'll also catch you up on the standings and coming up in a little bit as well. Noah Gregson had some major drama over the weekend. Heartbreaking way to lose the race at Homestead Miami Speedway. If you didn't catch it, I'll tell you what happened and what has been happening since that moment at the end of the Homestead race. More flag to flag coming up in a couple of minutes here. At Fox Sports 640. It's Flag to Flag on Fox Sports 640. I'm Jeremy Kaufman, getting you caught up on the latest from the world of NASCAR, which was racing in our own backyard this weekend. We actually had three straight Florida races to start the year. It all began with the Daytona 500, then we rolled on to the Daytona road course, then we head down south right here to Homestead Miami Speedway, and now we're going a long way away, heading out to Las Vegas Motor Speedway. But there are a couple of cup teams after we were just talking about all the guys who were doing great, you got some guys on the flip side of that coin who really struggled to start this 2021 season. And Matt Benedetto stands out for me because this is such a crucial year for the 21 team of Matt Benedetto. He got re-signed, really a lot of uncertainty around that. If he was going to be back with the Wood Brothers, we know they have the Penske partnership. Is Austin Sindrick going to move into that role and take over for the Wood Brothers 21 ride in 2021? Well, Matt DiBenedetto was able to hold on, get another shot in that ride. But right when they announced him, they said in 2022, Austin Sindrick is going to drive the 21 car. So from to Benedetto, he has 36 races to basically audition for a new ride. I can't imagine the pressure the 2021 is. I mean, there is nothing on his mind other than I need to find a place to race in 2022. So how's his season started? Welpy had his best finish of the season at Homestead, 28th. His first top 30 of the year. This has been rough. In fact, as far as the points go... He's sitting 34th in the standings. That puts him behind Jamie McMurray, who's in 30th, and Joey Gase in 32nd. Both of those drivers only started one race. De Benedetto has started three. So in three races, he hasn't even earned as many points as these guys who are starting one race. He is as far back as really you can find a charter team in the standings right now. This team has no time to waste. I, I know we're early. But he's not even in contention for the playoffs back in 34th. You need to be in the top 30 to win and get into the top 16 when we actually move to the playoffs. I'll be shocked if Matt De Benedetto doesn't get out of the 30s and move up into the 20s. But he's already starting in a hole. He, if he does not win and has to make it on points, is gonna have to move himself way up in the standings. You see guys getting in with 12th place in points and they're on the bubble because of where all the winners fall in the standings. Who jumps up from 25th and overtakes you because they've been to victory lane and somebody else hasn't? For Matt Benedetto, he's never won a race. He's come close. The 21 team, they can win. They're not consistent winners, though. They haven't been in a very long time. So for Matt Benedetto, I don't know that you can sit there and think, that's okay, we got 23 races to go out there and win. You need to be thinking, we have 23 races to make it on points. And when you are sitting that far back to start the season, I would be incredibly worried, even after race three, if I'm Matt De Benedetto, He's one of my favorite guys in the garage. He's a fan favorite. We saw how the crowd reacted at Bristol when he almost got that victory. It's what got him this ride in the first place. Fingers crossed for Matt Benedetto. He needs a big run this weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Other guys further back in points, Eric Jones. He's in 28th in points, 39th, 14th, and 27th. Those are his three finishes to start the year. And Eric Jones took over for Bubba Wallace Jr. at Richard Petty Enterprises. He's driving that 43 car. And it it has not been a fantastic performance from that team beforehand with Bubba Wallace in the car. And it does not appear to be off to a good start right now for Eric Jones. The one wrinkle, of course, on the results, Daytona, the big one. He was caught up in it, and that's the result of that 39th place finish. Still, though, 14th and 27th, nothing to write home about. Need to do some work so far in this 43 car. Eric Amarola, He got wrecked out early at Daytona in 34th. He had an accident in 30th place now after Homestead, which put him way back. He's sitting 26th in points. Eric Amarola, he's a guy who could get to victory lane, but... Again, he's not consistent enough to where I feel like, well, Eric's going to win, so I wouldn't worry about him. If you're a fan of Eric Amarola, keep an eye on the 10 car. He needs, he's another guy. Really needs to have a good run these next couple of weeks. You don't want to go into the Easter break behind the eight ball. It's just not a good mentality to start this season. And really, in NASCAR, momentum is everything. You see these guys, when they run well, when you've got the confidence going and you get back behind the wheel of the car, you can really make a difference in your on-track performance when you've got that confidence in yourself your team is the confidence that they can win so having a really rough start to the year and then having to stew about it for an off week when we get to the easter break really is not the way you want to start your season off on the it's starting on the wrong foot really so matt benedetto eric Amarola, eric jones both are all three really need a good run kyle bush Another guy that I'm putting on my list. Now, he's way ahead of those guys in points. He sits in 18th. He had his first top 10 of the season, a 10th place at Homestead. But really, Kyle Busch was never in contention. And he's got wins at Homestead. He's taken championships. This is a guy every single week you can't count out. You expect to be a winner. And we know he split up with Adam Stevens during the offseason after they had disagreements. Adam Stevens was his crew chief for the last few years. Kyle Busch did not win until the third to last race of the season at Texas Motor Speedway, was not in the hunt at the end of the year, which is very un-Kyle Busch and Joe Gibbs Racing-like. He ends up splitting with his crew chief. Adam Stevens goes to Christopher Bell. They win the road course. He's already in. They got to victory lane. Kyle's got Ben Bishore on the box, somebody he's won with in the Xfinity Series, but now he's in the Cup Series with them, and they are off to a bit of a bumpy start, a 14th place finish in the Daytona 500. They were in that last lap wreck, but they were not near close enough where they could have gotten a victory. 35th after an accident at the Daytona Road Course, a top 10 finish barely getting a top 10 because the 18 was really not in contention most of the race, which was surprising to me at Homestead Miami Speedway. This weekend, he's heading home. He's only got the, I believe the one win at Las Vegas Motor Speedway came back in 2009, but Kyle Bush heading back to Las Vegas, another team that while I'm not concerned about Kyle Bush because he's 18th in points, he's not going to fall outside the top 30. He's probably going to win a race, but If they're going to be a legitimate championship contender, we need to get back to the Kyle Bush of old, the guy that's out there performing and a contender every single week, winning eight races a year. We didn't see that from Kyle last year. And so far, the trend from last year, early on in this season, seems to be continuing for Kyle Bush. Take a quick run-through on your point standings, the top 10 in points right now. Denny Hamlin, he is leading the standings. That's not a shock. And Kevin Harvick in second. Again, nobody's shocked by that. Joey Logano in third. Michael McDowell's impressive start to the year has him sitting in fourth. Chase Elliott in fifth right now. It's Kurt Busch in sixth. Christopher Bell with his win on the road course in seventh. Kyle Larson, even with the crashes that he had while running well, is still in the top 10 in points, sitting in eighth. Martin Truex Jr., ninth, and Brad Keselowski in the 10th position. So... Right now, Denny Hamlin, he's in charge of those point standings. And remember, the regular season champion gets a buy into the playoffs and gets 15 playoff points. So it's a big deal to be able to win that right off the bat. Let's turn back now to Saturday. The Contender Boats 250 NASCAR Xfinity Series race was on track. And we didn't get a first time winner in the Cup Series. We had two to start the season. But the last two winners and two of the three winners so far in Xfinity. Also, first-time winners. We're just seeing this happen time after time. It's really quite incredible how we've started this year. Myatt Snyder really stole one on the overtime restart. He got lucky with a controversial caution again. What ended up happening, Myatt Snyder spun the tires on the first overtime restart. A.J. Allmendinger gets turned, heading into turn number one. NASCAR throws the caution, and people were saying, hey, look, he saved it. There shouldn't have been a caution. And there probably shouldn't have been, but I'm not going to be as hard as NASCAR or on NASCAR as some people are with this one, because the 16 of AJ Holmendinger got turned entering turn one. What goes down must come up. He's going to come back up the track at some point And we're bunched up on a restart. I was already like cringing and in position for the massive pileup that just never happened. They jumped, they jumped the gun. They threw the caution too soon, but it did look like there was going to be a huge crash You can't unthrow a caution. It happened. It's not that big of a deal. Myatt Snyder, he got lucky. Human error is always going to be a play in these races. He got a second attempt. He learned from the first restart, was able to get a better restart the second time around, and Myatt Snyder, first career win, brings the two for Richard Childress back to victory lane. But as impressive as it was for Myatt to go to victory lane, he was not the big story. Because he probably shouldn't have been the winner, honestly. He was consistent, and he did what you need to do in racing, capitalize on other people's misfortunes. But Noah Gregson was the guy that had this thing in the bag. You know, he was saving fuel. He outraced Brett and Moffitt. He was kind of messing with the gap with Brett, doing mind games, and Brett got into the wall a bit, had a flat tire. And that opened Noah Gregson up this huge, I mean, we're talking over eight-second lead with three to go. It's in the bag. David Starr, he's 13th, tail end of the lead lap, driving for Carl Long at MBM Motorsports. He doesn't quite blow Tire, but he's courting really bad on the right front. I believe it was definitely a front tire. Either way, we all know when you're a NASCAR fan, when a front tire goes down in the turn, the car's going straight, and it did exactly that. It went straight up to the outside wall right in front of Noah Gragson. It reminded me of Kyle Busch getting taken out by a lapper in an Xfinity race a couple of years ago. Either way. It completely destroyed the nine-car worst possible luck. This is now three straight races at Homestead, by the way, that have been lost for Noah Gregson when he should have won 167 laps apiece these last three races. He led 83 and 81 in the doubleheader races last year. He was leading uh, not as many laps, led 34 in this situation, but the wreck took him out. He ends up 33rd, leading by eight seconds with... Less than three to go, and he ends up in 33rd. There's nothing more unpredictable and humbling than NASCAR because it will knock you down so fast when you think you're about to be up and on the podium and celebrating. That's not the case. And now it has spawned quite a bit of drama because Noah is frustrated, and he made some comments that got him a little bit of hate on the post-race or um, his interview, rather, coming out of the the infield care center. Gregson basically said there were a bunch of dip you-know-whats in the way every single week. Said that right on Fox, so I'm sure they didn't appreciate uh, the Fox Sports 1 broadcast having that uh, go over their airwaves. But he basically called out David Starr hard because he could not hold his line. And in David Starr's defense, while he's not in greatly funded equipment, he is an experienced driver. He's been around this sport for a while. He's been to Victory Lane in the Truck Series multiple times, and he quartered a tire. He, he he crashed. That's just what happened, and Noah's frustrated. But I don't see how you can blame David Starr when a tire is courting that badly. And this is where Carl Long, I, I guess, took issue with what he had to say because David Starr, in his eyes, was along for the ride with that right front tire coming apart. Carl Long, he's lippy. He's going to tell you what he thinks on social media, and he put out this post. Um, to Noah Gregson on Monday. He says, this is the right front tire, which there was a photo of it attached, and you could see it wasn't flat, but it was courting very, very badly. You could see a lot of it. It was starting to unwind and come apart on him. He was running in the 12th position, rather, on the lead lap with just a few laps to go. Carl goes on to say the tread came apart as he dropped down to give Gregson the top lane, which it looked like he was doing. He came across the track because he couldn't turn. Noah got the high lane that he was running, that's when Carl goes on to say, well, this over-entitled mouthpiece did not have enough talent to miss our wreck. We were happy to take home a top-12 finish. That rolled out of our hands, just like the tire rubber rolled off this tire. There are not many people left in this garage who have worked as hard and sacrificed as much as myself to get to this level. Statements like this could and usually does come back and cost him." Now, from Carl's point of view, I don't know if the uh, over-entitled mouthpiece thing uh, was really necessary, but saying, first of all, he didn't have the talent to miss a car blowing a tire right in front of him, that's BS. There was nothing Noah Gregson could have done there. A car was coming flying up to the outside wall. He had to dive to dodge him, and he's keeping as much speed as he can right alongside the wall. You can't turn on a dime. Carl Long, you probably know that since you've driven cars before. That's just racing. It's just crap luck. The guy blew a tire in front of him. Noah crashed. There's nobody at fault here. Now, I'm being hard on Carl Long because I I think that his comments are a little ridiculous about him should have been able to avoid that wreck. That's stupid. But I'm not letting Noah off the hook here either because he's kind of being a baby now. Everything has cleared the air. Yesterday, he goes on NASCAR Sirius XM radio and goes, I don't feel any differently. I'm friends with drivers, car owners, peoples uh, in that side of the garage. I understand the battles that they're going through. I don't feel any differently. I feel like in this form of motorsports, you should be able to feel a tire courting. You should be able to hear the cords unraveling, how bad that tire was. We courted a right front in the first stage. It's really hard to get your point across with uneducated people or ignorant people. So I'm just kind of over it at this point. See, that's what makes people say Noah Gregson sounds entitled. That's the worst thing you could have come back and say. You should have on the radio and said, look, I was frustrated. We just lost a race that we should have won. It's racing. He blew a tire. You can't say he should have known that his tire was going to be that bad, especially late in a race, because he's still running for position. And a 12th place finish is a big difference than pitting to change that tire and finish 25th. So they're trying to make it to the finish. He didn't blow the tire intentionally or take out Noah Gregson. I, I don't like Noah's approach to this. I feel like he's acting like a crybaby going on the radio and be, you know, and just spreading BS like it's actually David Starr's fault that he didn't catch his tire falling apart beforehand and not crash and unfortunately take out Noah Gregson look, Noah's had well-funded rides a lot of his life. He's getting hate for it. People call him a silver spoon kid. His dad's been in a lot of trouble and he's got money to to go with it. So you put those things together, you know how people love to jump on you and attack you for that. But in my opinion, I think Noah is being way too hard on David Starr. He blew a tire, Stop crying. This is NASCAR. This crap happens. Jeff Gordon blew a tire when he was leading, took out second place Matt Kenseth at Bristol a few years back. I hated when that happened because I was a Gordon fan. I was mad, but he blew a tire. Stuff happens. If you blow a tire on 95, it's not your fault either. I mean, that's just a ridiculous argument that Noah's throwing out. What do you think, though? Is Noah right? Should he have given him, uh, or should he have known the tire was going down? Should he have pitted because he was already a... Slower car, getting close to going a lap down, even with there were three laps to go. Whatever you think, let me know. At SuitsKVJ on Twitter. SuitsKVJ on Twitter. That's where you can always hit me up, talk some NASCAR. I'm always down to do it. Coming up in a bit, you're going to notice a lot of Camping World-sponsored trucks this weekend. It's going to be a nightmare for the spotters in Friday night's truck race. But the reason why there are so many Camping World trucks out there is really awesome. You're going to love this one. Plus, we'll get you set for this weekend with the starting lineup and where you can watch all of the action. More Flag to Flag coming up in just a few minutes on Fox Sports 640. You know, NASCAR Twitter is kind of a weird... Hateful, awesome place, if that makes any sense. (laughs) It's Jeremy Kaufman, and you're listening to Fox Sports 640. Flag to flag, the Palm Beach is home for NASCAR, and there's always some sort of drama going on on NASCAR Twitter, but sometimes some pretty cool stuff happens, and this is a new thing that we're seeing, especially as some of these NFL players have gotten involved with NASCAR. A lot of teams are just drivers themselves going on Twitter, tweeting, Hey, I don't have a sponsor and somebody shows up and goes, okay, I'm interested. Same thing happened with, uh, Ryan Vargas got the sponsorship from the, uh, uh the Saints quarterback whose uh, name ex- escapes me all of a sudden, but, um, he had the squeezed juice, uh, um, um, his juice brand on that car and it looked really great. He, he got the sponsorship he needed. And instead of having a blank car, he made the whole thing happen on Twitter. So what ended up happening this week started with Marcus Lemonis, who, if you don't know, um, he does a show on CNBC, The Prophet, but he's also the CEO of Camping World, which, of course, is a huge sponsor for NASCAR. We have the Camping World Truck Series. We've had a number of Camping World sponsor races, but he has been big Marcus Limon is about tweeting sponsorship stuff back and forth with people. In fact, I I first saw this last season during the pandemic. There was drama with the NHRA drag racing series and title sponsor Mellow Yellow where they weren't being paid. It ended up becoming a news story. It became kind of public and Camping World tweeted them and was like, hey, you want a sponsor that's not going to screw you up? Let us know. Next thing you know, it's the Camping World NHRA series now. They took over the sponsorship. It's their series. They're sponsoring it. So that has happened before for Camping World. But then Marcus Lemonis threw out this interesting pitch online. He said, are you in or out? And this all started from guys who were tweeting that they didn't have a sponsor on their truck. I mean, big names in the truck series were going sponsorless. Sheldon Creed last week was a contender for the win, and he had a completely white uh, race truck, and he's the defending champion. Well, Marcus Lemonis basically said this: I will give anybody who says they're in and unsponsored for Las Vegas on Friday 15 grand to wrap the truck with Camping World sponsors. $25,000. That's how much it's going to turn into if you finish in the top 10. I'll make it 35 with a top five. $50,000 for a win. So now we've got this incentive program and a lot of trucks. So far, have taken them up on the offer. I believe it's, it's nine so far, nine drivers um, that I've been able to track down on Twitter, tweeting back and forth with Marcus Lemonis for this weekend. And we have some potentially winning trucks. In this list. So that 50 grand is up for grabs this weekend. Sheldon Creed driving the number two. He's going to be a Camping World truck. So is Jordan Anderson. Norm Benning has got sponsorship. Everybody loves Norm, especially since he tried to make it into the uh, I think he did. He succeeded in getting into the Eldora dirt, uh, dirt derby a few years back. And now everybody loves Norm Benning. Grant Enfinger, he is driving the nine truck this week because he does not have a full-time deal to run the entire season like he had been in the 98 truck. Um, And this week, I believe we're going to have Christian Eckes in the 99 truck taking over that seat this week. So... Um, Grant Enfinger was able to find an unsponsored ride for this weekend and now he's got Camping World sponsorship on the 9. Raphael Lassard, that's a GMS truck, very legitimate shot of winning. They're also going to have that sponsorship as well as Jesse Ouija, BJ McLeod, Dawson Cram, and the 75 of NBC Sports' Parker Clickerman. all going to be going for these bonuses. If you're a spotter, I am so sorry if these are one of your trucks. They have some slightly different paint schemes, but there are so many Camping World trucks that are going to be on track at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. The good news for us fans, though, if you're trying to follow who's going to get this money, it's going to be super easy, because all you have to do, look for the Camping World truck. You know that they've got big money up for grabs, and... I think Marcus Lemonis is going to be paying out some big money because we got a lot of teams here that can perform very good uh, this weekend, especially Sheldon Creed. He is a potential race winner this weekend, without a doubt, in my book, because. He's a defending champion. Just because he didn't have a sponsor didn't change anything. He's starting on the front row, so he's going to be right up front from the drop of the green flag. It's a short race, only 200 miles, so you got to have that track position. He's going to be starting up front. Other guys in the field that are going to have that sponsorship, like Raphael Dessard, going to be starting back in the 13th position. He's going to be one of those sponsors. Uh, the number ninety Grand Enfinger will roll off in the 18th position for this race. And, of course, as we go back through the field, you're going to find quite a few back to Parker Kligerman, who will be rolling off in last, 40th position, also sponsored by Camping World. Uh, maybe Parker Kligerman deserves a little bit extra if he goes on to win this race, because I, I feel like driving from last to first... <laughs> To win a 200-mile race on a mile and a half is pretty darn impressive. So who knows? Maybe he's going to be the guy to do that. And uh, more sponsor stuff is still happening. Uh, Brandon Brown just landed himself a sponsor for this weekend by doing the exact same thing. He tweeted that, I just hate blank race cars. And now he's got sponsorship on the front of the 68 card this weekend. And Brandon Brown is an underdog with a little bit of funding. I think he can blow us all away, this Brandon Built Motorsports team. They were playoff contenders last year to make it into that. They weren't championship contenders, but they really ran well with almost no funding. I mean, this is a team that's got maybe five employees. It is a very small operation. So they were able to pick up Green Tech Energy as a sponsor this weekend. We'll see what Brandon Brown can do in the NASCAR Xfinity Series race when he starts off with that sponsorship. A couple more news and notes for you as we head to this weekend. Kyle Busch is back in a truck. Um, And if a Camping World truck doesn't win, it's going to be because Kyle Busch will probably win. Get ready to see a lot of Kyle in the truck series. He's running his maximum allotted five races a year, which... I've come to terms with five races for cup drivers in each series. I I guess I I think that's the happy medium. I kind of like seeing the cup drivers now that it's only every now and then they're not in the playoffs. It just spices things up, gives these guys the opportunity that the people who were against these limitations for cup drivers running in the Xfinity series, um, the opportunity to still have their argument that they learn from these drivers. And it's a bigger deal when Kyle Busch is in the race and you find a way to beat him on the, other side of that coin, Kyle Busch does win almost every single time he runs a truck. So I am picking Kyle Busch to go from outside the top 30 to win in the truck race. I know going out on a big-time limb there, but I think the 51 is going to be very competitive as always. And like I said, get ready to see Kyle a little bit here. He's going to be running five truck races right at the beginning of this season pretty much. In fact, you will see Kyle in four of the next Five truck races. He's going to be skipping that Bristol dirt truck race, although he's definitely going to be taking some time on the dirt. I'll tell you about in a minute. But if you're trying to keep an eye on where Kyle's going to be, I know he's not the most popular guy to watch racing in the lower divisions. Um, and who knows, maybe you want it as a Uh, tune out alert because I know some people won't even watch Kyle Busch when he's on track. You will be seeing him this weekend at Las Vegas in the trucks. He will also be in the truck series at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Then you're going to see Kyle take that little break afterward for the uh, Bristol dirt race for the trucks. He'll be back in Richmond after that, Kansas, the following race, May 1st. And then you'll see Kyle Busch, Pocono in the truck series. As for The Xfinity Series, you don't have to worry about Kyle for a little while. He is going to be starting that race, um, or that series, rather, at Circuit of the Americas in May. That'll be his first start. And Circuit of the Americas had cars on track this weekend. The Echo Park Texas Grand Prix is going to be coming up in a little bit. That will be Kyle Busch, um, or uh, rather, that will be the Cup Race that we will see all of the cup drivers racing in at Circuit of the Americas, and Kyle Busch will be in the Pit Boss 250 on the Saturday before that to get himself prepared. A couple of guys, though, got themselves some much-needed practice. Goodyear tire testing was going on. And this, to me, is a huge leg up because while we're going to have some practice in qualifying because this is a new track, we're not really getting a lot of experience at this place. We're seeing this with even the newer tracks where there are practice Maybe you get 50 minutes. It sounds like that's what NASCAR is tossing around as far as the weekend schedule right now. So Chase Elliott, who is the road course king right now, got the opportunity to test at Circuit of the Americas. So did Brad Keselowski and Martin Truex Jr., three guys who I'm going to be watching very close when we do run this Echo Park, Texas Grand Prix, which sounds so weird to say Grand Prix as a NASCAR race. But... I think that these guys have a huge leg up on the competition, getting these hours in testing at the racetrack. And I'll tell you some of the speeds we are potentially looking at. There are long straightaways, heavy braking zones at Circuit of the America. Brad Keselowski was doing 185 at certain points on a road course in a stock car. And then you got to immediately slow it down to 30 miles an hour to make the next hairpin that you come up to. So... This is going to be a wild race. Brad Keselowski, Martin Trix Jr., and Chase Elliott, especially with his road course performance. I think he's really got a leg up on the competition as we head to this track this weekend. And speaking of getting a leg up on the competition, another wild race coming up is this Bristol Dirt Race. Nobody knows what to expect out of this one. They have covered Bristol in dirt. We're going to be on track there in just a few weeks. And a couple of drivers are looking to get their experience in beforehand. The Bristol dirt nationals is coming up March 15th through the 20th, a ton of different kinds of cars from the sprint cars to the late models. um, I believe are going to be out there. A bunch of different series are going to be running on the dirt um, leading up and getting laps into the surface before the cup cars take to the track uh, the following week, which I believe uh, is March uh, 27th and the 28th that weekend is coming up for the Bristol dirt nationals. So, for kyle larson kyle bush and joey logano just to name a few because we're getting a larger list of drivers entering these races beforehand they are going to get valuable experience heading to this race the downside with the way the schedule plays out they're going to be flying back and forth to a lot of uh, events at bristol march 15th through the 20th we are racing at atlanta uh before we head to bristol so um it's going to be right up against the weekend that they're going to have to go cup racing a little further south of that. So we're going to be seeing some traveling back and forth from the racetrack, more than likely with these guys checking out the Bristol Dirt race. But interesting to see in that situation whether or not it will turn to success on the dirt because the cup cars are just so different from the cars they're going to be running when they race in the Bristol Dirt Nationals leading up to it. It'll get you familiar with being on the dirt, but I don't know how a big, heavy stock car, especially a cup car, is going to be handling on the dirt compared to some of these other cars you go out there and race against uh, when you do these dirt races. So a couple of guys are going to be trying to get a little bit more experience in, and there is definitely nothing wrong with that. Coming up to this weekend, who is going to be leading them down to the green? Where can you catch all the action? Well, we're going to start with Friday night, the truck series in the Bucked Up 200. There's a B there, so I did not just break FCC regulations. Bucked up 200, Las Vegas Motor Speedway. That's Friday, 9 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. And as for your starting lineup, the guy who's won the first two races of the season, Ben Rhodes, he'll be starting on the pole. Sheldon Creed, I mentioned earlier, starting alongside him. John Hunter Nemechek in the Kyle Busch Motorsports 4 will be starting in third. Matt Crafton in fourth. Christian Eckes and Todd Gilliland in the next row, starting fifth and sixth. Chandler Smith and Derek Krause in seventh and eighth. And then it's Stuart Friesen, and Carson Hosever wrapping up your top 10 and some of the names to watch for, Kyle Busch, I uh, was a little bit off. It was, he's, he's got a top 30 start all the way up in 29th place. But something tells me by the time we end stage one, he will be well into the top 10. Haley Deegan also going to be starting back in 30th. And remember to watch for all those Camping World trucks that are going to be on the track. They're going to make things very interesting. Saturday, 430 on Fox Sports 1. It's the Xfinity Series taking to the track, the AlSco 300. Myatt Snyder, he won last week, and now he gets to start Las Vegas from the pole. Be interesting to see, um how he backs that up, and if we can keep this streak of first-time winners going, Austin Sindrick, he's the defending uh, champion, and of course he was the guy who won at Daytona. He's starting in second and has yet to finish outside the top five. Daniel Hemrick will be rolling off in third, Brandon Jones in fourth. Jeb Burton starting in fifth has had three top fives to start the year for Calig Racing. He has been a huge surprise to me so far. Keep an eye out for Jeb Burton this weekend. He's got a top five starting spot. Can he turn it into yet another top five finish to start the year? Brent Moffitt going to be rolling off in 7th. Jeremy Clements in 8th. Josh Berry in ninth, And it's A.J. Allmendinger starting in 10th. And because of the crash that took Noah out of the win at the very last second, he's going to have a really bad starting spot. 34th position. Noah Gregson will be starting in. And Tyler Reddick, he finished, would have finished second in the Xfinity race last weekend. Get a better starting spot. DQ'd. They failed the post-race heights, and as a result of that, he will be shotgun on the field, starting back in 40th position. And then finally, we get to Sunday, the Pennzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube, the fourth cup race of the season, the first of the West Coast swing, which has been shortened due to COVID because we cannot swing by California for Auto Club Speedway. Kevin Harvick, the points leader, he will lead them to the green. Last week's winner, William Byron, starting in second. Kyle Larson looking to back up last week's finish with another impressive run, starting in third. Martin Truex Jr. in the fourth position. Then we got Michael McDowell. Can he continue his top 10 streak? He's rolling off in fifth. Denny Hamlin in sixth. Kurt Busch in seventh. Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, and Brad Keselowski round out the top 10 starting positions for the race this weekend and some of the guys who have a lot of work to do matt DeBenedetto, benedetto we were talking about him rolling off in 30th eric jones 29th and eric amarola starting all the way back in 28th a lot of great action coming up this weekend thank you so much for joining us on flag to flag here at fox sport to talk about it all and we will be back next week with more nascar talk wednesday at seven o'clock or after any of the games that are on we'll catch you guys later